both sides have something to say, right? Both sides. The one side could say, I'm a victim. <laughs> I'm a victim. You guys shot at me. The police could say, I'm a victim. You guys were beating me up and ran off with my stun gun. And both sides have a point. In this day of brutality, turn to Exodus chapter 33. <clears throat> In this day of brutality, I want to look at the character of God that I believe we need to be reminded of as His children. In Luke chapter 4, verse 22, Jesus started His ministry and it said, And all bear witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of His mouth. When He read Isaiah and when he sat down everybody in that room wondered at the gracious words and in reflection this is after Jesus ministry John writes in chapter John John chapter 1 verse 14 the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory what did that look like what did the glory of God look like the glory as of the only begotten of the father How did it look like? Full of grace and truth. That's what the glory looked like when John looked back. So Jesus started his ministry. They said, see the gracious words. When Jesus ended his ministry, when people reflected back, they said someone who was full of grace and truth. Old Testament, Exodus 33 verse 18. Moses here speaking and he says, I want to see the glory of God. What did that look like? I'm sure you know the story. It did me good to read actual account and see what I can um, learn and behold in Scripture. Verse 18, and, and Moses said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, thou, cannot, thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me. Thou shalt stand upon a rock, and it shall come to pass, while my glory passeth by, that I will put there in a cliff of the rock, and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by, and I will take away mine hand. And thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shalt thou not see. Uh, down in chapter 34, verse 5. This is the account when God passed by Moses. And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sins, and that will by no means clear the guilty visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and the fourth generation. And Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. So as you hear the name of God, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful, gracious, abundant in goodness and truth. And you see the same description of the glory of God in the Old Testament as you do in the New Testament. Abundant in mercy, abundant in grace and truth. We beheld 
His glory full of grace and truth. Now, as you look at the glory of God and how that's revealed by an abundance of grace and truth and how those meet together, I remind you of John 17. Jesus speaking, And the glory that thou gavest me, I have given them. How's that glory look? Look at Scripture. The glory of God was revealed by that abundance of grace and truth. The glory which thou gavest me, I have given them. That they may be one even as we are. How does this church get along? We're we're from so many backgrounds. Some of you have a beard and a mustache. Some of you only have a beard. Some of you have no beard. Some of your, your wife would have a heart attack if you grew a beard. Some of your wives would have a heart attack if you took off your beard. Personalities, a whole bunch of them. You know how the only way we're going to work together as one is if we can be abundant in grace and truth. If the glory of God is revealed in your heart and in your mind and in your life as well as the other ones, your wife, your your brother in the church, abundant in grace and truth. We look at the word grace, abundant in grace, and we look at it and say, well, that many times people say, you know, it's all about grace. And they're saying it as, I have an excuse to sin because sin doesn't matter. That's not what grace is about. Grace, God has been so abundant in grace, and He's also abundant in truth. As He said there, by no means will clear the guilty. Those who want to continue on in their anger and in their sin and in their debauchery, in their twisted mind, they're not going to be cleared by God because God is abundant in truth and in grace. But you look at grace and grace is looked at as kind of like a utopia that we live in. Grace is compared to like a karma. Uh, The word karma is a popular word today. But grace is actually the opposite of karma, just so that we understand it. It is absolutely opposite of karma. Karma is all about getting what you deserve. So you invest, you, you do good things, and you might not get blessed now, but karma says one day you're going to experience, and one day you're going to be blessed. But grace is getting what you don't deserve, and not getting what you do deserve. You never deserve something if it's by grace. God has given us abundantly His truth and His grace. I want you to think through. If you had to pay by the pound. I I make my living on by the pound, right? If you had to pay by the pound how much grace you need to live every day. Could you pay enough to live? If you would pay it by the pound. Can I remind you of what God's grace is? Christians live every day by the grace of God. I will list 11 things for you. Because of His abundant grace. It's not because you deserve it. It's because His grace has given you something you don't deserve. Number one, His grace is our identity. 1 Corinthians 1.10 By the grace of God, I am what I am. 
It's not because of culture. It's not because I'm a Miller or a Troyer or a Yoder or a Schrock. It's by the grace of God I am what I am. I can't blame it on culture. I can't blame it on personality. By the grace of God, I am what I am. God's grace. It's our standing before God, Romans 5.2. By this grace wherein we stand. It's our forgiveness, Ephesians 1.7. In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to what? The riches of His grace. It's who we have our living. It's, it's our whole life. Romans 5.17 They which receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign, shall conquer life by Jesus Christ. That's in whom we have our living. And that comes by His sufficient grace. Grace is where we get our strength for living. Now, we can say, nope, it's, it's I taught my children... And I taught them and I showed them the way and I taught them to be obedient. Well, that's great. But you know what? They'll need more than that. They will need the grace of God in their life to see it through. Our strength for living comes from His grace. Second Timothy 2 Timothy 2.1 Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That is how we're strong in the day of battle when things are against us. Our serving is by the grace of God. First Peter 4.10 As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. It's not something that we drum up on our own. It's because the grace of God has given you something that you can be a steward of. That's the only reason that you can serve. Our sufficiency is because of the grace of God. God is able to make all grace abound to you, that ye, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. 2 Corinthians 2.8 Grace is our response in suffering. God gives us the grace to respond right in suffering. Hebrews 4.16 Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Grace has everything to do with our future. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope to the end. For the karma promised to you, no, for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And lastly, number 11, our hope for death. It's all about the grace of God that we can have a hope in death. Romans 5.21, that is, sin hath reigned, Unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life. Grace wants to reign in our hearts. Help us to be more than conquerors right unto eternal life. How much do you owe for God's grace in your life? Are you so flippantly careless of what He has given us, what He has given you, that we... What if you would have to pay for it? You would be a poor man. If you had to, to somehow pay and connect with God to, because of the grace that He has given to you. This is my thought. You will never be able to repay for the grace given to us. But this is the command. We are simply commanded to reflect that same grace to others in order for this grace to continue to us. 
He says, I'll forgive you as you forgive others. I will show mercy to those who show mercy. Like James, he says, if, if you live your life with, nope, this is the law, this is it, you've crossed the line, now I have a right to be mad. Right? And we've all been there. This preacher's been there. You live that way, you'll also be judged without mercy. He says, all I'm asking you, I will give you this overwhelming grace in your life. I just ask this one thing of you. Reflect it to others. Forgive as you've been forgiven. Show mercy as you want to be shown mercy. That's just the one thing He asks us to do. Turn to Luke chapter 12. Let's stand up and read this one together. If you're able to stand. Luke chapter 12, verse 42. Jesus speaking a parable reminding of the extreme importance of being graceful, of being gracious. And the Lord said, verse 42, Who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household to give them their portion of meat in due season? So he was given a servant to give food, to give sustenance to the people around. Blessed is that servant servant who is Lord when he cometh shall find so doing. Of a truth I say unto you that he will make him ruler over all that he hath. But and if that servant say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to beat the men servants and maidens, and to eat and drink, and to be drunken, the Lord of that servant will come in a day when he looketh not for him, in an hour when he is not aware, and will cut him in sunder, and will appoint his portion with the unbelievers. And that servant which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. But he that knew not, and to commit things worthy of stripes, shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given, of him much shall be required. And to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. You can be seated. Jesus speaking just a very direct Observation. If you give a lot to somebody, if I loan Wayne a million dollars and Jesse fifty dollars, and at the end of three years I say, Hey, what do you got? And Wayne says, I don't have anything. And Jesse says, Well, I don't have anything left either. Obviously, there's a difference in comparison, right? Look what he's saying here. I find this so realistic in our in our day here. There's a servant who's given a job, gives sustenance to people, all right? Here's here's all the food, give it out to people. Take care of their needs. But if that servant says in his heart, my lord delays his coming. Okay? All of us can relate. The word is discouraged. I'm discouraged. This is taking forever. There's no change. Is he coming back? I don't know if he's coming back. But I'm really, really discouraged. Life isn't going as expected. Life isn't going as intended. And something changes in their mind, right? Everything frustrates them now. Everything makes them angry now. Because life 
What happens when life doesn't go as expected for you? How, how do you how do you rate that? How do you respond to that? You'll get your opportunity if you haven't had it yet. How do you respond when life doesn't go well for you? Lord, where are you? Police brutality occurs because someone's not meeting the expectation. Life isn't happening as intended. And so there's brutality in response because this isn't what I'm expecting. All right. Now that goes way closer home than just there's I don't believe there's a police officer here. That goes way home than just the police department. And we become a person like my brother describes. Look, beatings will continue until morale increases. That's what type of people we become. And we're going to teach them. We're going to train them. We're going to get this through. This is what Jesus says. It's a sobering parable. You're indebted to grace. There's no one here. Who is a Christian who says, I'm not indebted to grace? And if you've been given grace, as God's servant, you've been given grace. How dare you beat someone with your words? How dare you beat your children with your words? How dare you not be gracious to reflect the glory of God that's been revealed to you? Full of grace full of truth. You'll never be able to repay the grace given to us. We are commanded simply to reflect it to others in order that grace to continue with us. Now I go to my last point. That's why he says in Colossians 4, 6, let your speech, let your speech be always with grace. Always with grace. Let your speech be always with grace. That means in your house. When it's just you and your husband. You and your wife. That means with your children. That means in public. That means in private. Let your speech be always with grace. Seasoned with salt that you may know how to answer every man. What we say may be difficult, but how we say it is not up for grabs. Now, it's been up for grabs in our homes. It's been up for grabs in our churches when we've lacked grace. But just like police brutality, hey, the guy had the right to start shooting with his real gun if he knocked him down and took his stun gun, right? And, and you can argue sides until the end of the world. But the real question comes back is, have I reflected the glory of God? Full of grace, full of truth. Speech be courteous, kind, and pleasant. Let your speech be always with grace. Seasoned with salt. You know, there's some people that when you hear something from them, you say, well, you know, Eric said that, so take it with a grain of salt, right? 
That, what's that saying is he didn't provide his own, right? You have to put it there for him. Now, Eric's the last one that I would accuse that of, so I use him as an example. But if somebody doesn't provide their own, we say that. You've got to take that with a grain of salt because they don't provide for their own. Salt was a method of payment in the Roman days. If you say he's not worth his salt, um, that means he's not worth his payment. Our word salary comes from the word salt. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with value. Seasoned with something that's actually got meaning to it. Seasoned with not selfishness, but something with meaning. You know, if if someone here in our church would fail to follow clear truth, clear a clear direction of the scriptures. How would you respond to that? You would say, if you don't if you're not full on truth, you're not following the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the sobering part. Let your speech be always with grace. Always. No matter who you're with, who is who you're not with, let your speech be always with grace. Season with salt that you know how to answer every man. If a person is not full on grace and being gracious, is it less? Is it less than being full of truth? Friends, we have to get this right. Now, there's no one here who reflects the glory of God per- perfectly. There is no one here. But as we continue to abide in Christ, there should be a definite change in every one of our lives. He's not as gracious as he should be, but he's more gracious than he was. Why? Because he's reflecting the glory of God in a greater way. Well, that's not my personality. I had an... You know, it's strange the memories we come up with when we think back when we're 12 and 14 years old. Somebody can stand up and say something and that's all we remember, that, that moment of, of brief brevity and we remember it the rest of our life. I remember an older gentleman standing up in testimony multiple times and saying, you know, my gift is to say it like it is. So I'm sawed off and I'm blunt. And that should make us weep. Because it's by the grace of God you are what you are. It's not because of your personality gift. It's because of the grace of God you are or you can be what you should be. Jesus said, Abide in me, and I in you as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself. James says, If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man. I'm far cry from perfect. You know how that's revealed? This isn't full of grace and truth too many days out of the year. There's no one here exempt from this. This isn't to beat us over the head. This is to paint us a picture of what is the glory of God? How is it reflected in our lives? It's reflected by our lives being full of grace and truth.
abundant in grace and truth. That is the Old Testament picture of the glory of God. That is the New Testament picture of the glory of God. Turn your Bibles to Romans, sorry, to Numbers chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 12 gives us an example that says, no one is exempt from this struggle. There's no one here who says, grace is my thing. Truth is my thing. I, I, I don't know how else to live. All of us here have a struggle with, Lord, help me to be gracious. Lord, help me to be truthful. Help me to put those together in their fullest capacity. And this is how, this is how Hebrews says it, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. How do we fail of the grace of God? It says, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and many be defiled. Look diligently, lest any man... There's, there's no one immune to this. There, there's a root of bitterness that we become discouraged, like that servant. And he says, now beatings are going to continue. right? I'm sick of this. This needs to change. We're frustrated. Lest any man fail of the grace of God. There's people who have bitterness growing in their heart. They would never say so. But there's that root in there. There's no one exempt from that. No matter what age, no matter how much good they've done in the kingdom of God. And that's what we see here in Numbers uh, chapter 6. Here's a man who saw firsthand the glory of God. Here's a man who experienced the glory of God. And here's a man who heard the words, The Lord, the Lord, He is God, full of grace and truth. Numbers 6.22 This man is Moses. The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron and unto his son, saying, On this wise ye shall bless the children of Israel, saying unto them, The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Turn to Numbers chapter 20. Boy, I got to tell you about something. Moses and Aaron were having a really bad week. This was a really tough week. They were frustrated. They were babysitting three million whining, spoiled brats. The spoiled brats ran out of water. And rather than asking for water, they were whining and demanding the water. Now that's a rough week. You know what the problem was? A root of bitterness. A root of frustration started to grow in Moses' life. I'm sick of this. Numbers chapter 20. I hope you're following along. Verse 10. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. And he said unto them, The Lord bless thee. And keep thee, the Lord make his face shine upon thee, and give thee peace. How many of you think that's what it says? Raise your hand high. Nobody. What would have happened if he said that? This is what he said. Here now, ye rebels, must we fetch water, you water, out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand with his rod and smote the rock twice, and the water came out abundantly. And the congregation drank 
and their beasts also. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron and said, Because ye believe me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, okay, you didn't reflect the grace that I've given to you because you did not sanctify me in the eyes of the children. Therefore, ye shall not bring in this congregation into the land which I have given them. Wow. That's why Hebrews says, be careful. Lest the root of bitterness spring up inside of you. Nobody can see it. One day it's going to come out here. Moses crossed a serious line. Reflect the glory of God. Abundance in grace and truth. I, I look at the children of Israel and I say, right along with the police brutality, both sides had a right to be frustrated. Well, it's one fault more than the other. Friends, the calling for us as Christians, God is looking for us. He wants to see His reflection of His glory full of grace and truth. And that means it's not so much what your wife has done to you or you have done to your wife, but what is your response? It's not so much what your co-worker, your brother, your sister, it's not so much what they've done to you. It's, is, are you reflecting the glory of God? Someone who is full of grace and truth. God was looking to see that reflection in Moses and Aaron. And I look at Moses, what a man of God. Walked with God all these years in that one root of bitterness came out and destroyed his going into Canaan because God takes this very seriously. Matthew 5.22 Jesus also spoke this same situation. But I say unto you, whosoever is angry with his brother, that's an attitude. You don't have to say anything. Alright? Just inside. Whosoever is angry with his brother is in danger of the judgment. And then the Pharisees had this rule that said, if you say raka or reka to someone, and that simply means you're stupid, you're worthless, you don't know anything, why don't you get it? If you say that, you are in danger of the council. And they would bring somebody to the council, they would sit them down, and they would have their solemn judges there. Why did you say it? What all went into it? And they... If you said that word, you are in danger of going before the Sanhedrin council and giving an account. But I say to you, Jesus says, whosoever says thou fool, or that sneer, that you have been around people that you do something and you think, ah, that wasn't the right thing to do. And as you're thinking, ah, I messed up, there's... They're sighing and shaking their head. That isn't right. We don't look at people without being full of grace and truth. But I say unto you, whosoever shall say, thou fool, shall be in danger not of the council, shall be in danger of hellfire. And why is that? God takes His 
grace very seriously when he gives it to us. He wants, he longs to see that reflected in others. Let your speech be always with grace. You know, we get casual with our words. There's Mennonites who say, oh, they won't swear. They won't say vulgar words, but they'll use Mennonite slang. That's not gracious words. Think carefully, full of grace and truth. Not just what we say, but how we say it. God, teach me to reflect your glory. And all bear witness and wondered at his gracious words. A lot of times we look at the glory of God and we assume what it might mean. But as I read in Exodus, sorry, in Numbers, in Exodus, and how God literally said, This is the Lord God. He's full of grace, He's full of truth. I believe it challenges every one of us. Let's reflect that glory in our homes, in our churches, in everyday life in secret and in public, that God could truly be magnified. He longs to be magnified in this age of brutality and abuse. If you're able to kneel, would you kneel for prayer? Lord, I thank You for the privilege of calling You our Father. Lord, I pray that we would reflect the image of our Father. Lord, how many times and how many homes have experienced grief and suffering because fathers haven't been gracious and kind and full of grace and truth. Lord, I pray that we would truly reflect the image of Christ and that it wouldn't be an image that we drum up that we think that you would appreciate, but Lord, it would truly be in a reflection of the image you have given us from your word. Lord, I thank you for your word and thank you for truth in this age where so much is sinking sand all around us. Everything else is sinking sand. I thank you that we can have the rock of your truth to stand on. I pray, Lord, that you would endow us with your grace that we could forgive as we desire to be forgiven. Thank you for the privilege that we can gather together and worship. And I just pray that our worship would be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name, amen.